Well, you the fake laugh, you had to pretend. Just to get you rolling, <laughs> just to get you going. <laughs> well done, well done. Well, thank you guys for joining us in another episode of the DNA Airwaves. My name is Doriki, or just D for short, if you're feeling freaky. Uh, and I'm here as usual with my partner, Kron. Anthony Lewis, how you doing today? Freaky Friday, man. I'm feeling good. Freaky Friday. Oh. <laughs> I can say that because I'm recently married. I'm just throwing that out there off the top. No, I don't Congrats. feel like I'm uh, portraying the life of... Anyways, I won't go down that road, but Freaky Friday it is, man. <laughs> the girl's back off. He's, he's taken. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. Leave me alone. Back away. <laughs> and for those of you wondering whose delicious voice that was that just came through, it is legendary VJ mm-hmm. and media personality Bill Wilichka. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. How you doing? I'm doing great. What an honor. Um, anytime anyone is interested in anything uh, with my life, I'm flattered. <laughs> Well, so, uh, we, are, we are quite interested, oh, course, so you are quite flattered. I mean, it's actually cool because speaking to someone like you with your resume and your background experience, we feel kind of inferior as far as this interviewing Absolutely. and on-camera presence goes. Um, so yeah, thank you. It's an honor for us to have you. I'm disappointed to hear that. I've spent my entire <laughs> career trying to elevate everyone around me and remind people that Huh. Mm. one is more special than anyone else and we're all in this together and we're all on the same level so oh, okay um, that's beautiful i love that yeah yeah, yeah yeah do that... not consider yourself inferior in any way at all ever <laughs> all a little right, message cool. for, for everyone there yeah, yeah that's huge that's huge and i i set that up for you because i had a feeling you were gonna no you took that somewhere i wasn't expecting but <laughs> now i'm even more excited because i expect a full 30 45 whatever we do of uh gems for me so no pressure bring it <laughs> bring it on <laughs> can i start off with this because you have a new book uh well a memoir coming out at the end of august i believe so there it is and that's Definitely it right beautiful. there so that title that title because you just said something now I got. Now you have to explain that title because when I say it, it's going to be like you got to take your words back and then redirect us on uh, how that all comes together. Because the title of the book is uh, "A Happy, Happy Has Been." It sounds derogatory, doesn't it? Uh, a, a little bit, bit insulting. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Talk See, about yourself. <laughs> I can. I can call myself a has been. You guys can't call me a has been. Never would. I never yeah, would dream. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Um, I fought with the title for a while, and I ended up. It sort of encap- encapsulates um, a self-deprecation that I think I've always had. In that, you know, there are people who might have known what I did 20 years ago. Uh, there are people that don't know where the hell I am now. There are a lot of people who have followed me throughout my career and know where I am now. True. So, to a lot of people, I am a has been. Um, mm. What have you done lately? You know. Right. Um, yeah. And I think my whole career was backwards which I kind of find interesting in that, you know, I started off on a national level with much music. I was there for 17 years in that building wow. and then wow. migrated Jeez. to smaller markets to the point now where I'm in Kingston, Ontario, um, and uh, at a global news affiliate hmm. hosting and producing a morning show. So, uh, yeah, to some, you know, what have you done since 1999? Uh, you know, you are a has-been. But again, I can embrace that because I totally understand why some people would consider that. And I was once called that in my career when I was in Ottawa for six years at the CTV wow. affiliate wow. by a coworker. 
and it hurt. And then I got to the point where it's like, well, no, there are people who would consider me a husband. But that's the whole idea of the book is uh, is I'm the happiest now than I've been in many, many years. And that's a dichotomy to some, but it's so true. And that's probably the most important element of, you know, the title is the word happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. If you can get through all of that stuff and still have a smile on your face and still be happy and let, you know, the crazy shit that people say to you bounce off of you, I think uh, that says a lot. So I, I'm glad you're happy because not everybody can be happy in, you know, in, in their life. And I think to me that's probably more important than anything is true happiness and being able to look yourself in the mirror and be, you know, I'm happy. Well said, D. Um, and it, it's going to apply yeah. in different ways sure. to everybody. And exactly. once you find it and uh, you embrace it, man, don't let it go because uh, it's fleeting sometimes. And I'm curious to what the, the person that, that had initially made that remark, like what have they done? Like your resume is pretty robust. And so I'm always just curious when these people take these little jabs, is it really directed at you or are they a little bit jealous, you know, you know? It's hard to say. Well, when it was first expressed, and I, I write about it in the book, um, I first, I, when I heard that, I said, well, what does that say about your career? You're working with, right. with a husband. You're not on a yeah, yeah. director either. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't even know if this person works in TV anymore, so. Mm. Wow. So, yeah, let's hear what they're, and they don't have a book either, and their book probably wouldn't do as well as yours, so whoever that was, shame on you. But I have a title for your book if you happen to be listening to this beautiful podcast. Maybe we'll call you a happy never made it. Uh, Ooh, eat that. shots fired. Yeah, but let me, uh, let me, let me jump in, because Dricky <laughs> spoke so uh, wisely, um, and I just had to throw that in, because you're, uh, we're all aging, but you know, <laughs> you have uh, you've reached an age where wisdom starts to fall out of you even when you don't mean for it to happen um so on that thing about it being a has-been is it's very interesting to me because who has the right i mean you can say it to yourself as a joke but list you've reached levels that most people never i mean even dream of reaching as far as being in the public eye being in the public eye in a space in canada where i think that there was sort of you were amongst the pioneers of even some genres of music that were starting to develop and really grow here. Um, so that experience for you in your life had you at a place that you needed to be at that time. And you've transitioned. You said that you're happier now than ever. So some of that success, but also some of those experiences and lessons that you learned along the way got you to right where, here where you are right now. Yeah, and it's true. You talk about wisdom. Um, man, I think when we were all 21, we thought we knew everything we could about the world. Um, oh yeah. my god <laughs> you hit 30 and it's like uh, no I maybe I wasn't as smart as I thought and then 40 creeps up and then 50 and I'm happy to say you know uh, I, I've learned a lot of things in my life and one of the things that I've embraced is that I can still learn right yeah. Yeah, and yeah. still grow and be a better person and still contribute something to this planet um, in some way and everyone has the power to do that true True. Absolutely right. And I find yeah. that there's been like my parents specifically, mm. um, there was a moment where I, I don't know what age it was, but they just stopped learning. Not my dad. I shouldn't say that. But I have noticed some people, you know, in generations before us by like 30, 40, they were just like, you know, this is who I am. I can't change. I'm not learning anything new. That's it. I am who I am. Yeah. But it's it's I think more people are starting to understand that. Even in our uh, in our later years, we can we can still learn. Especially, learning. 
And it's like that intentional learning, right? Because when we were younger, right. you're kind of soaking things up just by kind of a happenstance. Like you're in situations, you're forced to learn. That's what happens. And then you get to a certain age and it could be applied to, let's just apply it to like an, playing an instrument. You get to a certain point where you right. can get by and it's basically good enough. So you could ride the rest of your life on that or you can dive in daily and you're making incremental growth probably, but with the intentionality behind it look back 10 years where you could have been versus where you are and some of us flourish in those years of 30 to 40 40 to 50 and onwards right a lot of businesses you can write a book. okay that's really well said yeah both of you okay we're it's in the works I an, and i think an extension of that too is just that um things that turned you on when you were 15 or 16 things that excited right. you a band music a song uh as a lot of a lot of times as a lot of people get older they sort of lose that that uh love true and right. uh, yeah mm. there's not a day that goes by where i still don't listen to music or some of my favorite bands and love being exposed to new bands and right. i think just because someone gets older uh you shouldn't you know i don't know why uh maybe life takes over bills marriage kids right. there's a lot less time for things that excite you mm. yeah that's that's and spot on days, yep you know the things that excited me when I was 16 or 17 still do. Same and, here. Uh, That's amazing. Same here. Holy and you mentioned you mentioned holy bands, holy. and um, one of you, I'm sure, just because every Canadian loves this band, you had the honor of having your forward written by Tragically Hips Paul Langlois. Hmm. What was that like? How did how did that even come come to to pass? I've been interviewing the guys from the hip probably since '95. Um, Crazy. I probably interviewed them more than anyone else in the world nice. um, yeah, over yeah. the years. <laughs> and then moving to Kingston 12 years ago, 11 years ago, reacquainting friendships with the guys. I was uh, neighbors with Rob Baker, my first condo yeah. in Kingston. Um, I've become close with the guys over the years. I've become really close with Mike Downey, Gord's brother. Um, yeah. And uh, I was talking with Paul back in January, and I was telling him about the book, and I said, you know, would do you want to write a foreword for the book? He goes, I'd be honored to. Hmm, so I was talking amazing. with the publisher before I submitted the one of the versions, and uh, they said, oh, can we have it in February? So I emailed Langwa and I said, uh, hey, man, can I get that forward from you? He goes, shit, I'm in Costa Rica with my wife. Uh, give me a couple of days. Anyway, yeah. he sent yeah. he sent the forward email, and uh, nice. I cried when I read it. Wow. Of course. Um, Everyone should have the chance to write a book and then uh, acknowledge people that they love and care for and hear mm. from other people how much they mean to you. And wow. uh, mm. So that launched the preface for the book. So it goes the forward, Paul's words, beautiful words. And then I sort of, in the preface before chapter one, talk about that experience with getting that forward from Paul. And... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was just a, a beautiful moment, and so yeah. uh, I joke sometimes. I said, uh, yeah, the only reason why I write the book is so I can hear nice things from Paul Langlois. That's <laughs> a good reason. Fair enough. Um, I consider myself sort of um, part of a small circle of family and friends with that band. When the city asked me to MC the uh, final show in Kingston, like 20,000 people at Market Square with this giant yeah. stage. It looked like a giant rock and roll stage with this huge screen. Yeah. And the city asked me to MC that. And uh, there was just a beautiful love in the city that day, a vibe. I met people from all over North America, not just Canada, but uh, 
black people, white people, people yeah. of all ethnicities, ages, and it was just this beautiful air that hung over Kingston where it was a chance to say goodbye to the guys and thanks, uh, mm, much like yeah. I think they looked at that final tour as a chance to say thank you and goodbye. Yeah, it's big. So, yeah, there's been little moments throughout my career where there's been perfect circles like that where yeah. Yeah. first and foremost, I'm a huge hip fan. Yeah, no problem who isn't. admitting that. But I think my career has been full of these little circles where, you know, uh, a band that I had a poster of in my locker in high school, years later, I get a chance to sit down and bond and talk and often two or three times. And uh, those little moments are, are priceless for me. I and can I, imagine. I had a yeah. long, long list of them. Yeah, you've you've gotten to be in the room with, you know, literal icons, not just the tragically hit, but... Madonna, Prince, ACDC, the list goes on and on. So, I mean, I can totally understand where you're coming from. But, I mean, Tragically Hip is like the quintessential Canadian band, in my opinion. Yeah. And so that, that's got to be, you know, a little bit cooler just to be able to be such a part of their inner circle and be able to kind of see things that, you know, the average fan doesn't get to see. That's true. And, you know, my, I've been lucky in that um, I have a very wide range of musical tastes and, yeah, having to bond with a lot of different people. One of my favorite, I was telling my fiance yesterday in the car driving to Mississauga, one of my favorite experiences was interviewing P.E., Public Enemy, Chuck oh, D. Yeah. and Flavor wow. Flav, live yeah. on Much. But two days before, I was in New York interviewing the Beastie Boys. Oh, and wow. so I was asking them about, you know, that first tour that they took Public Enemy out on and how much PE influenced the whole genre and a whole generation and bringing mm. consciousness to hip-hop. And, yeah. Um, right. Asked them, you know, and they just had all these beautiful things to say about Chuck D. And at the end of uh, MCA, I think, was talking, and at the end, I go, have you ever told them that before? And he went, no. And I said, you just did. So I ran that yeah. soundbite. I set it up with a live interview with Chuck D and Flavor Flav, oh, ran that soundbite live, and then we came back to the floor. I've never seen Chuck D smile and laugh as much as he did in that moment. Wow. And I just thought... That's beautiful. It was a beautiful moment, but yeah. that was sort of what much was all about. Is um, There was no script for that moment. I, you know, I knew I'd be talking to P.E., so I set it up with Beastie Boys. I knew I'd be pulling that clip. Yeah, but yeah, right. the beautiful thing about much is we had that freedom. There was no scripts. We, uh, the more creative input you could do, the better. And uh, yeah, little moments like that, like I'll never forget. Which is why I'm glad I wrote the book because there are a yeah. lot of moments that I'm sure I have forgotten. And uh, I used to I used to write a column for the Kingston Wig Standard when I first moved here uh, mm -hmm. about five years, a monthly column just about my life and career. So that was actually okay. the launching point for all these stories, and I'm glad I wrote them down because I would have forgotten a lot of them. Yeah, I can imagine. I can yeah, imagine. There's, there's so many. And uh, Dariki mentioned some of these icons that you've been in the room with, and I think that at a certain point, if you've been in the room and are still connected to so many people that we refer to as icons, then you, in your own right, you are one as well. So um, just shedding some, sharing some love with you <laughs> on that. Um, that's my belief. Dariki laughed. Do you not believe that he's an icon, Dariki? <laughs> no, I was the one that first said it. How dare you? I was the one that first said it, and he kind of shrugged it off. So I know he doesn't really care for that term being thrown his way. So we're just making this a little bit more. This is the podcast of love, man. We you know, if we're talking to you, we believe in you. We, we admire the work you've done. So we're going to 
We're going to give you the flowers while we're looking at you right now in the eye, man. Ah, sweet. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, Let's go back to the early days, yeah, though. Yeah, that's where I was about of, to go uh, to. <laughs> of, you know, how did, how did you become... I was become, Welland, Ontario. Um, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> Welland, I didn't know that. That's good to know. I'm not too far from Welland being in Stony Creek. But, um, mm. Okay. How, how, um, how did you become a Much Music VJ in the first place? Was that something that you had your eye on? As you started your journey into journalism? Oh man, no. Um, I went and I uh, took a radio and television broadcasting course at Seneca. It was a two-year program. I really wanted to learn how to shoot, um, be a camera person. Uh, mm. There, I fell in love with editing. And realized that's where the true magic is. And realized mm-hmm. years later, it really appeals to my uh, OCD. Um, okay. Right. Right. Where you take pictures, you take video. Uh, it's like Tetris. You piece them together in a way mm. that can tell a great story and uh, create beautiful moments sure. all through editing. Sure. And uh, ended up becoming an editor at Much the week I graduated. Uh, a f- a, an acquaintance worked there and told me an opening came up. Uh, became a dubber, basically dubbing music videos from the record companies oh. for the Much library. Mm-hmm. And uh, hmm. I was I became a country fan in college. Um, Dwight Yoakam, Randy Travis, Steve Earle. Uh, all had their debut albums coming out in my first year of college, and it was uh, music I hadn't really given a chance, yeah. but fell in love with it and went back and listened to the old cats, Johnny Cash, George Jones, and uh, realized there was a whole world there that I've never, that I've missed out on, and uh, became right. a big country fan. And at this point in the industry, uh, country music was moving a lot of units, and young people became attracted to it for the first time. Right. So I submitted a proposal uh, to Much for a country show, um, and then one ended up going on the air a few months later. So I sort of worked on that show. Very cool. The host of that show, Denise Donlin, uh, went away on mat leave. She asked me to take care of the show while she was gone. Uh, When she came back, we co-hosted, and then she became the director of music programming, so I took over that full-time. And then Canada eventually uh, acquired a country music channel, so they... Cancelled the country show on much and then moved me over to regular flow programming and that would have been 94 I think Okay, so yeah, I sort of fell into the on-air stuff But the cool thing for me is never ever have I walked away from the behind-the-scenes stuff And that's the stuff I love the on-air stuff is fun the 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 background the editing behind the camera stuff to me is That's what I love the magic magic. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so true. Yeah, yeah, for sure so yeah, and, and you ask uh, you know any VJ how they got their start. Everyone's gonna have a different story. Of course, yeah. For T sure. the same way, Master T, Tony. He mm-hmm. uh, he was a shooter, and then um, again had an idea for a dance music show, submitted it, <laughs> and became Master T on the air, and incorporated. <laughs> was that dance show uh, Electric Circus? <laughs> Um, no, that was Monica. Uh, extend a mix for a while. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. His wife, Roxy, was the keyboard player. That was her voice. That's so cool. Ah, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, he had an idea and a presentation oh. that, uh, you know, the viewers are really gravitated towards. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting time for music. I mean, all around Canadian music. Um, but I was, I've been wondering, because we've talked about this a few times, and I think when you're looking back to the 90s, early 2000s, there was a, there's still a heavy, and there still is now actually, but there's a really heavy emphasis on American music being programmed. Um, 
So a lot of Canadian artists didn't seem to make the cut in some areas. I know Much Music did a pretty good job of uh, featuring some of the Canadians, but how was that for you? Like, do you agree that was it like American heavy programming or? Well, by law, we had we were mandated to play. I think 30 percent CanCon, so we had to. Oh, play okay. Canadians. Yeah. Okay. We weren't, you know, it wasn't like a chore to program Canadian music videos, but um, right. Much Music became a platform to expose a lot of Canadians. Yeah. To new music and to new artists and to new music videos you know some of them bare naked ladies was a great you know case i think we shoved the bare naked mm, ladies true. down people's throats um, <laughs> and it took like three or four albums for them to finally be recognized in the u.s mm, and yeah you know, that's crazy that is, and yeah. they knew that and they worked their asses off and they went down and toured to eight people one show and then maybe 25 people the next show uh so yeah there's a lot of work that goes into it for that exposure but yeah. yeah cracking the u.s market i think is uh you know in canada you can make a living at music but if you turn those numbers into the u.s then you're not just making a living you're you're making uh a mansion uh a nice yeah, car yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right your kids yeah. will be set up for life wow. and i think uh it's a lot easier said than done yeah yeah I agree. turn in yeah. those kind of numbers but that's the beautiful thing that. about Canada is we have our own star system here, and much really contributed to that. I think what killed much Agreed. was that desire to become more like MTV, which is mm. packaged reality shows. Uh, yeah, became yeah. the staple for much. A lot less live programming where they allowed the artists to be interviewed and let them talk and get into interesting subject matter, and not just tabloid. Who's screwing who? Who's in rehab? Who's got cellulite? Yeah, yeah. that's the presentation <laughs> that entertainment sadly came to. Yeah, there was a time where we that's got inter- yeah. do live interviews with artists where they get to speak, and not in just a five-second soundbite. Yeah, and those days will never sadly be recreated ever again. That is very sad, actually. Yeah, it was just—it was so cool to be able to see uh, people like yourself sitting down with these artists and like growing up in that era kind of getting to feel like connected to the artist because you just saw like the authenticity of and the realness of who they were right it's hard to get now everything just really seems packaged and manufactured so we don't get i mean social media sort of in a small way does but still not the same because as you're you're editing your packaging you're showing people the best those moments like you mentioned like just sort of unscripted where things just happened that was that was magic and that was really cool to grow up on so glad yeah no no, i've seen i've seen some of my interviews on tiktok someone has pulled and um cool (laughs) and basically what it's for is you know oh there's a 10 second print soundbite okay move on oh there's a dave Grohl 10 second snippet yeah move on gosh yeah um people say well that's just people's attention span no that's all they've been trained to consume that's it yeah. I think if you, if you let something breathe, there's going to be an audience for it. Sadly, that hasn't happened yet. I still mm. have my fingers crossed it will. Uh, us too. <laughs> us too. Very, very bad. Why don't you tell us how you really feel about TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> I think all of us share the same sentiment about TikTok, but it's uh, that's another podcast. We'll we'll gripe about that. But um, I wanted to talk about the exact moment, or not exact moment, but you know, you said you were writing um, for a Kingston newspaper, and that's kind of what led you down the moment of 
writing the autobiography. Was there uh, any hesitation or did you share that with someone or bounce that idea off of anybody before actually just saying, you know what, this is it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to write the book? I've been asked for years um, about a book and I just sort of laughed it off. So my answer <laughs> during the Kingston Wig column days was, well, it's not a book, but every month I'm, it's out there. There's some stories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, during COVID, um, I think the proliferation of podcasts happened and I was being yes. asked a lot to do different podcasts. And the theme was, you know, they want to talk about music or the nineties or whatever, yeah. uh, music trends. And then it was in during that process where I started to realize like, I, I don't know why, but people find what I have to say in some capacity, kind of, sort of, maybe interesting. Kind of, sort of uh, maybe. Very, yep. don't yeah. do that. Very interesting. <laughs> 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 and you know the my ego dictates or lack of ego is like no one cares no one wants to hear this mm, but it happened yeah. enough times where i thought well maybe someone wants to hear some of the stuff and then sort of that became a, a, a way just to write and just writing and writing and referring back to some of the columns and before i knew it uh six months later i was had the formation of a book and right, i just yeah. started tweaking it and tweaking it and revisiting it until uh Last December, I thought, okay, I'm done. I think this is it. This is a book. I never planned on writing a book. No one asked yeah. me to write a book and said, uh, oh, here's uh, uh, some money for you to write a book. It wasn't like that. Um, I doubt I'm going to make money from the book. Uh, I'm not going to be able to retire on it. It was more just a fun project that sort of took on a life of its own. Hmm. And I mentioned this in the book that every one of us has a cool story. Agreed, yeah. Agreed. Every single one of us, um, very few of us get a chance to have our story told, but very I think true, everyone right? has a book in them. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Very, very good point. Both of you have learned things over your life that is worth sharing and yeah. been through things that so. made people laugh, cry, educate, inform, entertain, true. shock. Yeah. Um, everyone has. It's in us. So it was an honor to actually put all that stuff down and put it out there. That's no, very, very cool. Um, Did you at any point during the writing, you know, because I could imagine it would bring up some things that you might have forgotten about or reminded you of some stuff that you had forgotten, you know, did uh, what was the experience like or was there any like lessons that you learned while writing the book? Um, I wanted it to appeal, first of all, to if you have followed my career at all, um, mm -hmm to enjoy it that way and get a lot of behind the scenes stories and a lot of experiences. Or if you don't have no idea who the fuck I am, yeah. you'll be able to pick up the book and read it and think, wow, this is a neat story. This is a good story. Yeah. Uh, my fiance, after reading one of the first drafts said, uh, Oh, you shouldn't put that in there. That's a little too personal. Mm -hmm. like, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, some people don't really want to know about that stuff. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. I, I'm not going to get into it now, but uh, <laughs> Didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't even ask. But um, <laughs> I thought, okay, yeah, you're right. Um, there's certainly a lot of stuff in there that uh, people will enjoy that don't know anything about me. But yeah, there are some things that I, I couldn't get into. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. Personal yeah. stuff. Yeah, you had to be there to experience it. Sorry, guys. Right, um, Amanda? Yeah, she's <laughs> laughing. <laughs> That's a, that's a good one you got there then. She saved you from, uh, who knows, tabloids. Not just saved me from embarrassment, maybe, but yeah. just saved my life. Uh, she made me become a healthier person. And, Amazing. Um, developed. She's just very uh, 
loving and nurturing That's and uh, loving of everybody. Like it was just so nice to introduce her to family last night at this my nice. nephew's wedding and the way she worked the room and people coming up to me going, Oh my God, I love her. And I said, well, I love her too. <laughs> yeah. Why uh, I'm marrying her. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Amazing, man. Uh, it's always amazing yeah. to find the woman that can do that to you, you know, that can really kind of not like make you a better man, but you know, bring really help best. you become, yeah, bring out the best. That's a great way yeah, of saying it. Yeah. So congratulations on finding that. I know Anthony and myself have both found that as well. So cool. uh, it's, it's really, yeah. really, really an honor to know when people find someone that they love that loves them because I strongly believe that if you invest 10% of your love into a woman, she's going to give you a return that you, you know, you wouldn't even imagine just a little bit of love to her and she will give it to you a hundred times over. I never thought I'd find it ever again. And, uh, uh right. Here you are. Happily I have. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Amazing, kids. You guys man. have kids? Not yet. God willing. Okay. One day. Willing, huh? Yeah. I wanted to, uh, trying to find the name of this thing there's a documentary on crave that's coming out yeah um 299 queen street west that's the title 99 queen street okay west. i was like where's the title yeah. yeah yeah yeah. okay <laughs> can you talk to us a little bit about that is that something that you had any role in or familiar with, um I when i was talking about these podcasts during covid yeah uh uh sean menard a director got in touch with me saying he's putting together a documentary on much music and he's been speaking with some vjs from the past and wanted to know if i was interested and i said uh yeah what an honor um anytime i can you know spread any positive vibes about what much music was about yeah. how it changed a country and how it changed trends uh, yeah i'm all for i didn't realize it was going to be uh so interesting to so many people um, and that the final result, it is out in uh, September for the Toronto premiere. So I'll get back to mm. Toronto for that. And then it'll tour cool. across Canada mm. theatrically. And then it'll end up on Crave before the end of the year. And the guy had access to uh, the cool. Much Library. Um, sadly, though, I think when Chum was sold to CTV Bell Media, a lot of that library was turfed. Some things were saved. And really? he had access oh, no. to a lot of that library. And I think I gave him some stuff that I had too. So nice. uh, I haven't seen the doc, okay. um, only the trailer like anyone else. So I'm very curious about how it's turned <laughs> out and how it's going to show young people what, you know, what this thing was in Canada that doesn't exist anymore and Crazy. how it should come back and how it's needed. It's I needed. agree. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you hopeful it will come back? I doubt if anything like it uh, ever happens again. It won't have that same spirit. I don't think it'll have that yeah. same energy. I think it Agreed. will be a corporate watered down version of overproduced. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. I totally wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, isn't that funny how? I think yeah. they're trying. Yeah. Oh, they're, yeah. But the thing is, I guess just the standards changed, right? Because I mentioned before, and we've all talked about it in this conversation, just the authenticity that was there in music and the productions before overall. But now when you say reality TV, there's nothing real about it. But to us, we understand yeah. that. I think there's a generation growing up who probably doesn't really see the separation of reality TV and reality life. And that it's a little scary to me, if I'm being honest. But... Um, there's got to be a way. generation that should consider themselves lucky that, you know, mm -hmm. they were exposed to it in some way. True. 
Yeah. Very true. Very true. Went and made myself sad by saying that. <laughs> <laughs> what does the future look like? <laughs> Dismal, man. Oh, God. No, no. Yeah. Uh, it's that, you make it. Yeah, and that's why sharing the stories um, and the experience is really important, just to try and shed a little bit more hope on, on what I just said. <laughs> and it would, have been would you ever write another book? Sorry to cut you off. Um, I've already had some other ideas really? uh, that I've jotted down since I've turned in the final version. Um, yeah. If the publisher wants to do a second edition, yeah, I could easily add to it. But um, I didn't want the book to be the ramblings of some old guy looking back uh, and saying, oh, remember, remember the good old days? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. What do you think people will take away when they read your book? Um, I'm hoping uh, they'll take away uh, – good question. That's really heavy. Um not that I have the power to change people, Deep. but uh, just the idea of uh, to walk away feeling a sense of empathy for people. Mm, okay. um, yeah. Uh, a whole lot of positivity. Um, and just the, the idea that we're all the same. We're all on the same level. Celebrities or no celebrities, famous people or non-famous people. Uh, we're all on the same level here, and we all are in this together, and we all have to take care of each other in some way. And... Um, I can say that because I've been through the other side. Right. I have been elevated to some kind of weird celebrity status and didn't really care much for it because I think the people that put you there are the people that also need to be elevated. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Good point. And just that sense of self, uh, self-worth that everyone should have. True. I yeah. So what I want people to walk away with. There's a, That's a great answer. there's an interesting thing that happens I know for a lot of musicians and performers and I'm sure same goes for TV personalities of all types, but on stage you get this high. I'm sure I'm sure Dariki could also speak to this, and I know a lot of us have suffered from those moments of being in front of a crowd of whatever size it could be 50 people but just that energy that's coming from the room and that's in the room could take you up to this place where you're like yes I made it. And a crazy thing happens after the show, especially I think a part of it for myself is when you put so much into working to an e towards an event, it's all there. And as soon as the thing's over, it's like if you don't have something else ready to follow up with, there's like a crash in energy. Yeah. Did you ever experience anything similar to that? I know that feeling um, of interviewing, uh, pick, pick an artist, oh, gosh, yeah. Prince. Let's talk mm. about Prince uh, for an hour and a half live television event. When it's done and you know you nailed it, you know yeah. it was a good broadcast, you know the artist enjoyed it, you know the live audience that were there, they got off on it, you know that anyone watching on at home loved it. There yeah. is that euphoria where it's like, yeah, you're you're on a high and it's yeah. a, it's a beautiful high. It's better. It feels better than sex. It's just this. Yeah. Yes, nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Great yeah, time. Yeah. And then, yeah, you come down. But speaking with John Bon Jovi about this, as far as a performer is concerned, mm -hmm. yeah, you give your all to an audience, say, for two hours, and your adrenaline, and you're spent. And then when the concert's over, you know, you're so high from all the adrenaline that, okay, go to bed. Yeah, what do you do with it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go to yeah. bed, do it again tomorrow. And it's like, yeah, some of these artists, you can see why they fall into the trappings of drugs and alcohol, and you right. want to keep that party going after the show. 
So, Good you know, point. you end up stumbling yeah. around a hotel bar till two in the morning until you can finally, you know, yeah. come down a little bit Vicious and then cycle. Uh, do it all over again. And next thing you know, you know, yeah. they're, they're That's your life. hooked on drugs and you can see why it's so prevalent True. in entertainment. I was on the road with, with uh, for a couple of days with Blue Rodeo and I talk about this in the book. Cool. Wow. Nice. Talk about Canadian icons. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but after their show... Every when I was on tour with them, what they did, and I found this very fascinating, they would find and you know do it beforehand, but make sure when the show was over, either at the venue, depending on how big the venue is, or they would find a community center nearby, and mm-hmm. they'd have a ball hockey game uh, with the opening oh, game. Nice. <laughs> wow! Uh, at two in the morning, so by the time when they're off the stage, got that adrenaline. Yeah. Hockey, and then wear themselves out until they get on the bus, and then fall asleep and wake up in the next town i thought Ooh. that's how it should be done yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's... that's a very healthy way to use that energy that's uh much better than uh, the previous yeah, example the previous, exactly. of going to a bar till two in the morning that's <laughs> and that's they actually figured that out you know years Jeez, ago yeah yeah that's how to finish a show after the meet post-show meet and greet if there is one and being told you know by Get strangers physical. i love you i love you i love you great show right. great show Okay, let's burn some energy now and score some goals yeah. and down a ball hockey court. Wow. Love that. One of those gems. Yeah, I haven't heard that one before, but I hope someone listening just decided to make some short, sort of shift. I mean, even, I guess, exercise and go home and jump on your spin bike or something might do the trick. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> spin bike. <laughs> don't think that's don't think that's gonna work. That's the term that pros but, uh, use. When you're when you spin, you call it no, I'm just joking. I have no idea. Gotcha, but Bill, gotcha. I wanted that's to ask you something as you touched on after a hockey game too. Uh, you know, they, they get on yeah, the bike right. and just pedal after after the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's the same applies to athletes. Week, so. Yeah. True. Um, you mentioned that feeling of nailing an interview and I kind of wanted you to just maybe highlight some of the points like what, what what was your checklist or what was the feeling of nailing the interview but then what are the things that you kind of based that on um, if I, I always looked at every interview first of all as a, as a conversation I yeah. love how your guys uh, are presenting your podcast it's a conversation it's not an interrogation yeah um, yes, <laughs> three guys sitting around talking about life. Uh, True, right? That's how I approached any interview: is it for it to be a conversation? Uh, if you were a fan of that artist that I was interviewing, I, you know, I geared it towards them. I wanted them to enjoy the time of seeing their favorite artist be interviewed. I yeah. geared the interview towards often. If you have no idea who this person was, is there enough there to make you interested? Mm. right um and i think more importantly is i wanted the artist to feel like they just had a great time and um they were elevated to a point where the next time they were interviewed you were going to be the benchmark for the interview that's huge right and uh, that's uh, a good point. That's that's great advice yeah i've also worked with enough mm. egos they thought they were a celebrity interviewing a celebrity mm. really that's interesting and that's the problem with some people being some on air Right, 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 yeah, right, 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 right. They yeah, kind of lose true. that uh, innocence of, <laughs> I guess, I guess it would be hard to speak to someone on behalf of the fan if you believe that you're above the fan in a sense too. So, oh, it's detrimental. Yeah, I could see that. And I think fans can see through that, and uh, true. A lot of those people, you know, where are they now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Can I ask? Um, 
why you never decided to do a podcast. It's I know it's a trendy thing these days, but someone like yourself. What if we don't want to hear the answer? What if it hurts? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I that's a good question. Um, I th- I think uh, my time I have a I devote a lot of time to my job. My currently my job. Yeah, uh, yeah. It yep. is. Uh, I get up at three in the morning to host a morning show. And by the time I come home, I, I like to nap. Uh, Fair, I get to yeah. nap a lot on the weekends. Yes. I don't think I have enough time in the day to do a podcast. Fair enough. On a regular basis, I right? Love being a guest on one. But, uh, yeah, hosting. Uh-huh, yeah. So here's what we're going to do. Anytime you get, if you happen to get that podcast itch, give us a call. Yeah. We'll have you back anytime. Yeah. Satisfy that. Check that box and we're good to go. You'll be my first guests. Perfect. Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. We've got it recorded, so legally binding. <laughs> i got to think of a clever name, too. So. You seem to be good at that, so we're not too concerned about that part. <laughs> you got that covered. Um, I don't know. We don't have much time. I know Dirky might have another one for you, but I'm curious. Uh, still on just the fact of you interviewed some real icons in the music industry. Was there ever a time where you were like at first, I imagine you might have been starstruck or, you know, different mm, guys like yeah. Prince. And It's crazy. Did you ever Donna, feel that? Yeah. yeah. Did you ever feel starstruck or did you ever have a moment where your nerves almost or did get the best of you? It's happened a few times. Uh, you learn quick that it, it's a job and that you have to be professional. And uh, But it's happened more than a few times where in the middle of an interview, I'd be thinking to myself, uh, I had a poster of you in my bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird, yeah. weird, man. This is real? Um, <laughs> no, you never want to say that to them. You never want to say, uh, oh, man, I grew up to your music. I think they just right. get, some artists just get a sense that you're a fan because of the questions and that uh right true there's uh, an unspoken respect back and forth where you know they know that they were an influence somehow on you and by your questions and presence you know that they know that you're a fan and mm. uh once you get to that level yeah there's no need for the gushing but um true. yeah it's happened more than a few times where i have met my heroes and f- oddly enough never been disappointed which is uh, great yeah it's important yeah, because there is that that phrase that you, uh, they always end up disappointing you. You never meet your heroes, but it's awesome. Uh, yeah, and I've heard from many. You know, Liam Gallagher from Oasis. I fucking love that band. I love the yeah. brothers. <laughs> uh, wish someday those brothers will bury the hatchet and get back together again. Uh, so sad. I don't think they've talked in years. But Liam had a Crazy. reputation of being a bit of a hooligan and frightening interviewers over the years. Absolutely. The yeah, last yeah. time I interviewed, I've interviewed him a few times. Always a great time. The last time I interviewed him, uh, there was a hug. When he came out for the interview, wow. I think he'd seen enough specials of mine of Oasis that he knew that I was a fan, even though I never right. said that. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, that I have a certain passion for Oasis's music, and um, yeah, I've never been disappointed. Just like That's my life, beautiful. I've never been disappointed. Amazing, amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. I um I was curious. Not Did... disappointing. Okay. Yes. Oof. Yes, we nailed it. All right. No, 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 no. Didn't you just listen to the words? Very disappointed in this coffee. Though. Okay. Oh, so you, all right. So we see what's happening here. Um, nothing disappoints you, so that doesn't really put us anywhere as far as scale. But no, we'll take that. The bar is low. The bar is no. The bar is high because nothing disappoints him. He's a positive guy, right. so we uh, we lived up to it. I don't want to pleasantly disappoint at any. At any point during this interview, do you have one more before we let our our good friend 
Bill uh, I think we've covered everything. I did I did hear that there was a film in production about your life. Did that spawn from the book or was That's that something huge. that was happening before? Uh no, um once I put it out there on social media what the title was and what it was about, um a local filmmaker in Kingston um loved the idea of this ex-national music journalist eventually moving to a small town and trying to recapture his take on it. It's, it's a parallel universe based on my life. And so he's asked me to play myself in this feature film about a guy who tries to recapture uh, what was a fun youth and an exciting youth mm. and trying to recapture the fame that he once had. And by the end of the movie, just like my life, you realize that... Uh, He's perfectly happy where he is and doesn't need to chase whatever he had before. And uh, so he showed me this treatment, this film treatment, and we did a table read with uh, the other people that are going to be in the movie. And it's fucking funny. It's hilarious. Filming should start. I think the first scene they're going to be shooting is in September. Um, okay. nice. Part of my career is uh, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. And, uh, oh, <laughs> and I've been in the ring a few times, and he knew that about my life. So the f first scene being shot is in September, and it involves... Uh, I'm actually going to be emceeing a big wrestling night in eastern Ontario, bringing back a bunch of legends um, nice. and a lot of independent wrestlers. And so I get thrown through a table in the movie. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I piss off one of the wrestlers when I'm emceeing. And he throws me through a table. Anyway, that's going to be the first scene shot in September. Nice. And uh, I'll be thrown through a table. I've been thrown through a table before. No. And uh, the secret is the guy who's actually throwing you through the table takes more of the punishment. So, yeah, really? I, I don't mind being thrown through a table. Was this acting related yeah. when you were last thrown through a table? Yeah. Or is this real life? <laughs> I was actually emceeing uh, a wrestling night. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was gonna say much music. Master T got angry. Stop dicking around with my keyboard. Leave, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I was actually. It, it's discussed beforehand. I don't want to break kayfabe here with the wrestling fans, but it was discussed beforehand what was going to happen and how it was going to go down and gotcha. how it was going to transpire. That, gotcha. uh, right, no right. way. They t they were planning that stuff out. <laughs> uh, Wrestling's not fake. What do you mean? Uh, um, <laughs> uh, I was training one time for a match at the Leon Center. It's just the big, big venue in Kingston. Mm. Two weeks okay. prior, I was doing some training and I uh, inverted my knee. So for that, mm. I took a hit the wrong way and didn't bend my knees. Uh, anyway, my knee, yeah. uh, I hyperextended it. So I had a knee brace for that match. That's no one knew, but. Painful. Uh, yeah. You can get seriously hurt in the ring, kids. I believe Absolutely. that. Yeah. I mean, we've seen some. I, I've followed wrestling a couple times. I've been in and out of the wrestling scene. So I, we've heard of some, you know, someone even losing their life. Rest in peace. Yeah. Owen Hart. Yeah. But, you know, it's definitely not as, um, what's the word, cushy as some people think. It, it's a violent it's sport. Yeah. You talk to these guys years later, they're in their 60s and 70s. They all walk hunched over. They all limp. They all yeah. walk really slowly. It, it abuse, tears your yeah. body apart. Yeah. Nothing but more respect for anyone, for any man or woman who dons the tights, for sure. 
Don's Agreed. the type. Who's, who's your favorite? <laughs> who's or who's some of your favorites? Um, I love Honky Tonk Man just because he's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, a bad Elvis impersonator <laughs> yeah. is his is his gimmick. But uh, yeah. as a as a heel of bad guy a villain, uh, hilarious. You know, I just I just love his antics and yeah. uh, him and the WWE battled for many years. So when he got inducted into the Wrestling Hall of Fame three years ago, I I, had, I actually cried. I wow, love that's beautiful. Honky Tonk Man so much. I'm a big fan of Bret Hart too. Mm. Love yeah, that. yeah. Hitman. Yeah. Bret's an icon yeah. and a Canadian, so we gotta gotta shout him all the way around. Well. Yeah. The Rock is awesome. He's oh, hilarious. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's taking it to a whole other level. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. This has been great. I I know you gotta go. We don't want to take up too much more of your time. I really hope that maybe when the film comes out or. You know, if you get that itch to get on a podcast, I don't know if anyone gets an itch to get on a podcast, but if you ever want to share some stuff with us, we can talk with you again. This has been really, really awesome. I can't say enough. Um, Can you just tell people the book one more time, when it's coming out, where they can get it? BillWalichka.ca is the website. Um, It'll be out in August, an exact date. It'll roll out through the publisher, through Amazon, but uh, at some point in August, coming back to BillWalichka.ca. And uh, yeah. Uh, at your finer bookstores or Amazon or through the publisher links will be there perfect incredible man thank you so much for taking the time we really appreciate it and I know the people listening are going to enjoy this as well thanks I appreciate it too thank you so much guys God bless you take care Till next time everyone